All right. Well, good afternoon, room one. It's really nice to have you here. I'm going to do a quick introduction and um, then get started into the model and how important the model is for self-coaching. So I'm, I'm Jess McMichael. I'm a pediatric orthopedic surgeon and a life coach. And um, the model is the coaching tool that we use in room one. And Amy Vertries, Kelly Casperson, and I uh, use the same model for coaching and it's kind of what we talk about all the time. And it's really important to start here so that people understand what this tool is and how useful it can be in your daily lives. I see Amy Vertries is on now. That is wonderful. So um, I'm going to also allow Amy to talk just in case she has something amazing to say, which is undoubted. undoubted. Can you give I me guess. a shout out? Oh, hi. Okay, great. So um, I want to kind of start at the very beginning here about this type of coaching. And to start there, I actually have to go one step more basic than that and just say that coaching is a completely unregulated industry. So this is new to us in medicine. It's not new in professional circles. Executives have been using coaching for a long, long time. Um, of course, we see it in sports, so that's a no-brainer. But in medicine, it's becoming more and more popular. But I do think it requires a little bit of scrutiny because it's unregulated. Anybody can literally just say they're a coach and they can peddle stuff that may or may not be helpful. And um, also there are all kinds of different coaching philosophies out there. So I wanna be clear on the type of training that we have in room one is fairly rigorous. It's through a school called the Life Coach School. And you can learn all about that if you Google it. But it's a certification program that we go through and um, we learn tools, we practice tools. It's similar in structure to medical school in that you learn the concepts and then you practice them in real life with humans. Um, and so within the life coach school, the model is the thing that we talk about the most. Now there are a host of coaching techniques that we use and we try to incorporate, but this is kind of the spine of it all. It is the foundation. And the wonderful thing about the model is that if you learn it and then you develop a practice to use it in your everyday life, you, you have this self-coaching tool that you can use without any difficulty. I mean, it's just like, you know, having propranolol available for high blood pressure. Hang on, I'm going to change out this light because it's really bright. Okay. So the model boils down to trying to distinguish between what is a neutral fact in our outside circumstances or outside experience, and then what is all the stuff we make up about it in our brains. So I'm gonna start with that. Um, let me roll this a little bit closer. So we have this acronym. I guess it's not really an acronym because we don't, we don't make up funny things about it like we do in the military. Is that green visible? Okay, good. 
So what this stands for is circumstance, thoughts, feelings, some people call it emotions, but it doesn't matter, actions, or inactions, and then results. And this is it. So this basically helps us understand where the outside world lives, which is this. So outside of ourselves, and this is all inside. And I'm gonna go through some examples and I hope people have come to this call with their own examples because it's that's the best way to do it is to go through an example that you're working on in your own life. But what we wanna do is try to take any anything really um, and try to tease apart what about that particular instance is a, is a real fact. And then what, what about that is kind of the story that we make up about it. So for example, the circumstance could be, um, I'll just think of something really gross and morbid to start out. So the circumstance could be somebody was murdered. And to make it very, very factual in that circumstance line, we want to say only the true facts about the instance and nothing that we editorialize about it. So if we say something like, um, Johnny was murdered, that's pretty factual. But if we say Johnny, un Johnny just experienced a horrible, gruesome death at the hands of another person, that's not factual. So that's basically like an editorialization of the fact. It's kind of a morbid, gross way to start out, but it's like the first thing that came to my mind, maybe because I, I was just watching a really interesting movie that I'll tell you about at the end. But so we want to get very circumstantial here and then circumstances will then trigger us to have thoughts. And the interesting thing about our thoughts, there's a, there's a number of things to note here. We have 60,000 thoughts a day. Um, I think there's a little bit of argument about how many thoughts we have per day, but it's like in the many tens of thousands. Sometimes they come quickly. Sometimes they come jumbled all together. Sometimes they are unconscious and sometimes they're conscious. So the unconscious thoughts are the ones that give us lots of information because they're the ones that come up that we assume are true because they're just there. It's like, we don't even have to work to have them. Um, and then our thoughts then create feelings in our bodies. So you have a thought in your brain that's triggered by a circumstance. That thought is just a sentence in your mind. It's like a string of words in your mind about the circumstance. And then you make it mean something. And in that process, you're having a feeling that's just the neurochemical reaction of your nervous system going out into your body. And you experience sensations in your body that are a feeling. Your feeling then drives you to do something. So if you're sad, you do something. If you're happy, you do something. Um, so your feelings are what drive your actions or inactions. And then your actions are then what produce your results. 
And it's very fascinating to note that our results will always prove the original thought true. It'll always tie back to the original thought. It'll always emphasize the original thought or prove it true in some way. So that's a kind of a brief overview of how the model works. And I think at this point, it would be very useful to just do one, do one in real life. Um, so from there, what I'll do is ask if there's any, if anybody has a model that they're already working on. And if not, um, we can just maybe bring somebody on and, and get one to look at. So any takers? And then Vertree's in the house. If you have one that you have recently, we could do yours if we don't have anybody to go through one. Oh, whoops. <laughs> Let me. Okay. Does anybody have a model that they have done or want to share? And then Amy Vertries, do you have one that you would like to share? Hey, so it's me. Um, I, I, if no one has one, I can come up with something. Yeah, it might be useful since this is like the beginning of the month call to um, just go through one spontaneously for everybody to understand how it works. Sure. Um, let's see. Um, I have a partner. We uh, don't see eye to eye often. And i um, very annoyed because he's like, 250 notes behind. And since he's not submitting his notes, we're not getting income into the practice. Okay. All right, great. So what Amy just did was basically told me a paragraph of sentences of things that she's thinking. And what we wanna do with that paragraph is really tease apart what's a fact and what is her thought about the fact. So we'll create our model here, we heard the feeling, which was interesting. She said she's annoyed. But um, usually we don't have a feeling that readily available, but that's awesome. It's nice to have that. Um, so let's talk about what you just said, Amy, and we will tease apart facts from, from um, thoughts. So you said your partner, it has 250 notes he's behind. So I would offer that even though we would all agree he's probably behind, not everybody on planet earth would agree that he's behind, but we could say that there are 250 notes in his inbox. That sounds fair. Okay. So you have a partner. It's entirely possible someone's worse. Right? See, that's what I mean. So that's really, it's an important point because what seems like behind to you doesn't seem like behind to another person. And for it to qualify as a fact in the circumstance line, we wanna just boil it down to very, very neutral terminology. Um, okay, so partner has 250 notes to sign. 
And then you said something about how your guys aren't getting paid. So could you reiterate that? Um, luckily, I mean, this is not a big surprise that he did this. So we um, are in an a interesting model to where we share a practice sort of, but um, we're both responsible for our own finances. So quite honestly, him having 250 notes and potentially not getting paid for it doesn't have that much effect on me. Although um, our practice management company was trying not to pay me this month because he's behind. Okay, so is that something that we could put into like a provable fact? Did they state that? Or did they give you an email or some kind of communication that said, we're not paying you because he hasn't done his notes? Um, I did not get, um, I got a paycheck that said zero. And so I called them and that's when they told me that. Okay, good. So we can say that. So the, so the practice management company, I'll just abbreviate to PMC says your paycheck is zero because, because partner didn't sign notes or what, like something to that effect. Yeah. He, he didn't, he hasn't done notes. So he can't collect any charges. Uh-huh. Okay, that, that, that. Okay, great. So, and I would like to offer um, for everybody to communicate within the um, chat as much as you want, because as we go through this, I'm going to really go very slowly and try to go in painstaking detail so you can see how important it is to spend time pulling apart a fact versus a thought you have about the fact, because um, it, it'll be really important in a minute to understand that, but if questions come up, we really want to know along the way what is making sense and not making sense because this tool is so darn useful. So if you really learn it, it'll be, it'll be useful in your everyday life. Um, okay, so with, this, with a paragraph of thoughts that Amy shared with me, um, we could see that she has some emotional charge behind what's happening. Like my partner's behind, that's why I didn't get paid. Like what the heck? And I can almost kind of hear in, in it even more than that. That's probably swirling around that you didn't mention. Um, so is there anything else you wanna to add to that thought paragraph or that thought download before we move forward? Yeah, um, no, I think the, my prominent thought that's kind of related to all this, um, the financial stuff worked out, but I'm kind of embarrassed to be associated with them. Oh, okay. Interesting. So um, so when you originally told us the paragraph, you used the word annoyed, but isn't that interesting that you have this thought, I'm embarrassed to be associated with this guy. So is, do you think that that's the thought that's kind of bubbling up? in in kind of when we're when we're specifically referencing this type of a thing like is that the thought that's bubbling up for you yeah you know i, I think so because you know whether um just like this is who my partner is mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know i think that uh i guess as i talk through this um you know i am kind of associated with them and i even though I tell myself I don't have to be, you know, responsible for his actions, 
I, uh, you know, had some choice in the matter of being a partner with him. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of embarrassed to be associated with him. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So when you think the thought, I'm embarrassed to be associated with this guy, how do you feel? Um, you know, I, I'm not sure if annoyed is necessarily the wrong emotion because it's just, um, well, I guess there's lots of things that come up. I'm, I'm, I'll kind of talk through it um, and see where, which is the most prominent. Okay. Um, just because, you know, I kind of created this um, group to this uh, partnership to be, you know, kind of a positive one. And um, the the background is I I left a practice and then he was essentially out of a job. So I invited him to join us. Um, I would have actually been happy to leave him behind just because we just don't match match very well. Anyway, so I invited him along, and you know, this has kind of been a pain. Um, and so I'm a little bit annoyed and frustrated and, um, and, you know, a little embarrassed too, because just, you know, I feel like I'm now responsible because I chose him to come along and that's, and he's now actually impacted me in some ways, although I, I called the company and we worked it out, no problem. Cause we are independent. Um, but still it's just frustrating. Okay. So this, I'm so glad you added to this because this is such a useful example to teach everybody how we have all of these thoughts that are tangled up, right? Like we can really put the circumstance that you have, like you have this partner, like it could just be like him (laughs) because he's a human that exists and he's your partner. I mean, yes, this is more specific of a circumstance that we've kind of developed here, but as you keep giving more information about it, it sounds like you have a lot of thoughts that are coming that are kind of tangled up. And one is you're embarrassed to be associated with this guy. Another one is that you feel responsible because you're the one that asked him to join you guys. So um, for the group, when you're working through this, one of the easiest ways to prevent overwhelm with your own brain is to just write this stuff down on a piece of paper. That's what we call a thought download. It doesn't have to be pretty. It is just like basically getting it out of your brain onto a piece of paper, totally unedited. And then you can see what this kind of like tangled ball of spaghetti noodles of sentences is, and then you can just start picking one sentence at a time and just trying it in the model to see how that thought is at play and what kind of results you're getting by having that thought. So having Amy give us additional information is basically adding to the thought download, but it can, it can show you all how easy it is to get your thoughts like really, really tangled up. Um, in reference to like anything, really a particular person, a circumstance or whatever. The interesting thing is, is that circumstances are neutral. So we try to get them very, very factual and boring and bland just so that we can kind of start to notice the separation between our thoughts and what is actually outside of us. So the things that are circumstances outside of us, even though um, your brain is probably really resistant to admitting that things, those circumstances are neutral, 
they are neutral because we could line up everybody and people will have a different opinion about the circumstance. So it, that means the circumstance itself isn't the thing that is causing the differences. It's everybody's brains that are causing the differences. So I hope that's making sense. And we'll go through a couple of these hopefully before the end of the hour so we can really um, kind of nail down the way this model works. So anyway, back to this, you're embarrassed to be associated with this guy. And as I hear you talking about that, I'm hearing you mention a couple different feelings, but I wonder what it is in your body that you actually feel when you think that thought. So like if you close your eyes right now and you're thinking, gosh, I'm embarrassed to be with this guy. What sensations do you notice showing up in your body? Um, oh, I just, you know, I'm trying to think of the exact feeling uh, to describe because, you know, I, I do come up with several, but none hundred percent fit, you know, the, the, the feeling of embarrassment is one, you know, like I don't want to be like around him and always really talk to him and, you know, things like that. Um, you know, so I'm somewhat annoyed with him. I'm somewhat annoyed with myself. I think it's probably just annoyed. Okay. So, well, that's interesting. That was your first, that's what you mentioned in the original, oh geez, I can't spell in the original thing. So I'll write it down again. So that's a feeling that that produces. And what do you do when you feel annoyed? Um, and this is the part that, uh, that, that bothers me, I think, is that, you know, I, I talk with my office manager, we make fun of him. <laughs> the only, it feels like the only control I have. Because I can't make him do his notes. Um, so like behind his back, basically. Yeah. Although he knows I'm annoyed with him. So it wouldn't surprise him. Sure. Okay. What else do you do? Um, I kind of avoid him. Avoid him. And then do you have like thoughts in your brain that you keep thinking about him? Yeah, no, it's just got a, a general negative thing. You know, I don't really want to, um, I don't try to make the relationship any better. So you think negative thoughts about him. Mm -hmm. What about yourself? Cause you said you're annoyed with yourself too. Do you think negative thoughts about yourself? Like, are you chastising yourself for inviting this guy to join your group? Yes. I, I think that was part of it. You know, I, I felt slightly responsible for leaving because, because I left, they, they closed the clinic. Mm. So I felt sort of responsible for him. And so there's, you know, lots of probably underlying things too. And I think that I've been coaching him before and that's helped because I, you know, he hasn't really shown a lot of signs of feeling grateful because otherwise he'd have to like scramble for a job. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm, I'm frustrated with myself for accepting him on knowing that he um, was unlikely to be very appreciative of it and will probably not help out a ton. And that's been pretty much true. So none of this is a big surprise. Okay. So, but, but pertaining to this particular model, when you feel annoyed at, you know, you're annoyed because you're thinking so, a thought about this guy, I want to know what actions that actually produces in you. So if it's like, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I'll speak for myself. Like when I'm feeling annoyed with another person or I'm annoyed with myself, to me, that means I'm judging that person and I'm judging myself probably. So yeah. Judgment. You don't show up as my best self. Yeah.
Okay. And then, so these actions that we outline will then create a result. And so since this is basically what is our internal world, like this is our experience of life. Like this is what is happening for us at any given time. It's what's occupying our mind. It's what our body feels like. It's how we show up and it's the result we create. And so to understand that this result, which can you see the result, Amy? Yeah. So what, what would you say is your result here? Um, I'm kind of, you know, I'm frustrated. I don't like the, the fact that he's not a great partner. He's not very, you know, participative. And then it's, uh, the result is that I am actually not a good partner either. Right. So maybe it would be like, if the thought you're having is I'm embarrassed to be associated with this guy. In other words, you don't think he's a good partner. I want to make, I'm trying to make this a really clean model for our people. So I want to show them how your thought will end up creating a result. And I think what you said was so critical just now is that you end up not being a good partner. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's really important to note because you think he's not a good partner. So, you know, this happens to me when I'm doing my own model. Sometimes I'll start out with a thought and I'll work it through and I'll get myself to the result and the result will be so clear and it'll take me back to the original thought and help me understand what my original thought really, really was. So it's like one of the things is that you're embarrassed to be associated with him, which I think translates to a more generic statement that you have running in your brain, which is this guy's not a good partner. Like Maybe you're embarrassed by him. Maybe you feel responsible for bringing him in. And there are all these like sub thoughts that come off of it. But the bottom line is, is in your brain, you think this guy is not a good partner. And so then you're annoyed and that causes you to make fun of him behind his back, avoid him, think negative thoughts about him, you know, judge him, judge yourself, don't show up as your best self. And then in the end, what ends up happening is you are not a good partner because you think he's not a good partner. Um, so this is great because we can see how the result then literally, it proves it true. It basically proves he's not a good partner and proves you're not a good partner. Um, in the result, when we're working on the model, the model is always gonna be your result, not somebody else's result. So that's why I didn't put, you know, basically he's not a good partner. The result is it's the client's result or the person doing the coaching's result. So this, that was really useful, Amy. Would you agree that this is a clean model? Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, the, I've been coached a few times and done a ton of self-coaching on this too. So this is a clean model because I've worked on it a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> a lot. Which so is so good, right? Because we need, we need that as an example to show people that when you start doing this, it's a fucking mess. When you <laughs> start out, like, 
It's like your brain vomits on a page and then you're like sifting through it and you're pulling out these sloppy things and throwing it at this model and trying to figure out how it all fits together. And it takes practice, lots and lots and lots of practice because the ultimate thing here is, is that this part, I'm going to rewrite this actually um, to maybe make it look a little neater just for demonstration purposes here. So C is is partner. He's just a guy. Thought is he's not a good partner. The emotion that you have is annoyance. So oh, I did it again. I can I would never have been good at teaching third grade. Okay. Um, actions are um, you know, the gossip you talked about, judge, avoid, etc. And then the result is you're not a good partner. So I had a lot of words and arrows and stuff on the other page, but I wanted to rewrite it cleaner so that people can see here. The first thing you wanna do when you're trying to utilize the model in your own life is get the words out of your head and then try to figure out what is an absolute fact, what is provable in a court of law. So you can put things up in the C line like a human person said words. The words were, quote, you're a jerk end quote, or something like that. Like it has to be really factual. And I like to think of it like if you were reading a deposition or something, then that's all stuff you can prove. So anything you can put in quotes and try to make things really, really factual. And then from there, you can say, okay, like, what am I thinking about this? And that's when you can start to figure out like, I have a million thoughts about this. And what is the thought that is not serving me or thoughts that are not serving me? what are these thoughts doing? What are they doing in my life? So when I think this thought, I feel annoyed. So guess what? I get to be the one that feels annoyed. That guy doesn't feel annoyed. That guy is having fun, not signing his notes, not being grateful for the job that I just gave him. So I'm the one that's annoyed, not him. So you're the one that pays for it in your emotions. And then you then show up as this whatever you, you know, you do from the feeling of annoyance and then prove that you're the one who's actually not acting like a good partner, because this is the only thing that you have control of is what you do in your own life. We have no control over partner. Now it could be that if we show up as our best self, we create an environment where the partner actually wants to do better too but we don't have any control over whether or not he wants to do that. So that's an interesting way to kind of see how when we change ourselves, when we look inward and say, what am I responsible for here? What do I want to create here? Who do I want to be here? And you show up as that person, then even though we're not actively trying to change the circumstance, oftentimes the circumstance will change just because things around you then start to change and people start to act differently. So it's a little bit fascinating how that works, but I wanna pause there and ask for questions right now because 
we really, really want to make sure that the model is understandable for people to use when you're journaling or trying to work through problems. So let me see if there are any questions here. So Amy Vertries, do you have any questions? No, um, I did want to point out, um, you know, sometimes initially when people are looking at these models, um, you know, the, their first reaction is, is like, why are you making it my fault? <laughs> you know, and, uh, and even, you know, after coaching a lot too, like I would tell you like paragraphs and paragraphs about how it was all his fault and he's terrible and annoying. Um, but really it was that underlying, you know, frustration and annoyance was, was the part that I did have some control over. So although, you know, I, I kind of owned the result, um, I still, still have the tendency to blame them for it. Sure. It's a really good point about fault. So we humans really, really like to um, reduce things down to, you know, really simple, you know, categories and terms. And we really like to moralize things and into good or bad, my fault, your fault, and try to assign blame and stuff like that. So a really important point with working through the model is that number one, you are 100% a worthy human being, no matter what you could you know, set my house on fire and it would still mean, it wouldn't mean anything about your worthiness. It wouldn't mean anything about you being lovable or um, just perfect as you are. And I really believe that. That took a lot of work for me in my own life to understand that who I am as a person is completely separate from the thoughts that are going on in my mind. So that's like step one. Step two then when you are able to see what you're thinking and you're able to really distance yourself from your thought and witness them and really just start to notice, I would invite everybody to have compassion for what you're thinking and curiosity for what you're thinking. Um, because this isn't a blame game. This isn't like, trying to make anybody feel bad. It's like awe-inspiring to see what the human brain will do because most of what we're thinking is unconscious. It feels like we don't even control it because it's just happening. It's like just what our brain offers. So I'm so happy that you brought up the F word, Amy, fault, because we we have a tendency to think that it means then that it's my fault X, Y, or Z is happening. So while I think it's accurate to say we are responsible for the results in our lives, it doesn't mean that we've done anything wrong or that anything has gone wrong or that we're bad people or that we are like, you know, at fault. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> All right. So now let me talk a little bit about like unconscious versus conscious thoughts. Um, oftentimes people will assume that since we can identify that it's a thought in our lives that's creating some sort of, uh, you know, unpleasant emotion or, or unwanted result that, oh, okay, well, the thoughts are optional. So I'll just choose a different thought. And um, that's a very superficial kind of interpretation of how to use the model. And sometimes it can be useful to just pick a new thought and 
work on that and, and practice it and get a different result. So that's, it's okay to do that. And I don't want to discourage you, but I just want to offer that sticking with the unconscious messages that are going on in our brains and trying to understand why they're there and make peace with them and understand that it really doesn't have anything to do with who you are as a human being, that they're not hurting anything. There's nothing that we need to escape. There's nothing like we don't have, it's, it, we don't have to be in a hurry to erase them or, or get out of them, but rather to make peace with them um, and just try to see what they can teach us. I think it's a much, much richer experience. So I would guess that since Amy, you have mentioned that you've been coaching on this for a long, long time, this isn't something that you just were like, oh, well, I'm just going to start to choose to see him as this awesome person because like your brain, (laughs) (laughs) right? It's like our brains won't do that. They'll reject it. And so then what we do is we go deeper and deeper and deeper and we see what it is like, why, you know, why? And then meet that thought with so much compassion and so much curiosity. And that's how you gain freedom from it. Um, It's just not having, not having any emotion tied up in it, not having any blame or moral um, hierarchy to your thoughts or anything like that. They're just words. They're literally just sentences in your brain. That's it. They they hold no more, um, you know, moral value or, you know, fault, not fault or anything. Now, once people understand that, it's really um, interesting how then you can recognize, well, these thoughts are optional. And if this is my unconscious brain and what it's offering, then you can start to see how um, you can choose on purpose different directions that you may want to go depending upon whatever result it is that you wanted to achieve or whatever feeling it is you want to feel. Um, and again, it doesn't mean that this gets scrubbed away. Maybe you think this guy's a bad partner forever and ever and ever, but maybe you also like, then can just cut yourself a little bit of slack and still move on and be a person that you want to be in spite of this kind of messaging that's I would guess has been in your unconscious mind, not in your conscious mind. I think the, the thought that I ended up, um, you know, kind of transitioning to is that, um, you know, I, it's, it's a story I was telling, it's, it's, it's a manual issue, right? You know, I was telling him that, you know, he had to do these certain things because this is what a good partner is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was sort of, you know, telling him that, well, you know, a good partner should do all their notes and a good partner should, you know, communicate with their other partner. A good partner should not, you know, um, brush off things and, you know, be uh, all this whole laundry list of stuff of which I had no control over. And uh, that, that, of course, there's no winning there because there's no way out of that because I can't control somebody else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, his idea of a partner is certainly much different. (laughs) That's fantastic. Okay, I'd like to try to get another model in before the hour's over. So 
are there any other members here? And I didn't change any names today. So before you respond on the chat function, if you would like to change your own name, I think you can do that or I can do it. Um, Amy Vertries, can you just go in yours and see if you can rename yourself and make sure people can if they'd like to? Yeah, let me take a look. Okay. It should be under like the more tab. So are there questions? Um, are there any models people have been working on that we could bring to the group here so we can try to um, see if they're clean? I keep saying clean, which is so weird. Um, the reason I keep saying that is because there's this concept of mixed models where if we have two thoughts or like more than one thought working at once or more than one feeling working at once, then it's not going to give, you're not going to see the relationship between the result and your thinking um, easily. And so it's really common. I do it all the time. And then what I'll end up having to do is kind of get through my mixed model to understand that it's even mixed to begin with. And then I can kind of split them apart and see, okay, now this is what I'm really thinking that's causing me to feel this way. And then this is also what I'm thinking. And it's causing me to feel this way because these things don't happen independently in real life. They're like things are happening kind of all simultaneously in real life. So this is a tool that you can use kind of after the fact, as you practice using the model more and more and more, it's something that you can then use right in the middle of something happening. So you can interrupt your own model. And then, um, and then when you get even better with it, you can use it to influence how you're gonna show up in the future. All right. So Amy, were you able to change your name? Um, I don't see where um, my name was. Um, okay. So uh, the short answer is no. And I think the only time I see it is when I start talking. Okay. So I'm going to quickly just rename everybody to a number so that you can feel, um, I don't think anybody's been able to see each other so far. So That's I'll just right. rename even on chat, it just says panelist. Um, and then um, once everybody's renamed, then you'll be anonymous. So if you do have something that you want to bring up, um, we can rename. Yay. Thank you, number four. Rename. Okay. So number four, would you mind then if I promote you to uh, be able to talk and then you can tell us about your model? Let me see if I can do that. I want to talk. Here we go. Hi, number four. Hi. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Can you see me? I've been wondering that. I cannot see you. Everybody's okay. video's off. I'm in a robe. I'm in my robes. So I was like, this might not be. <laughs> so this is like I do all my meetings on Zoom, right? Just everybody. It's like the the Corona Zoom thing, and I can't tell you how many times I'm doing something very unsavory <laughs> on these meetings. Yeah, <laughs> double checking and triple checking that it's muted. <laughs> Video. Totally. I know. I quadruple check. I be, I check like incessantly, actually. <laughs> All right, so hit us with your model. Do you have the model already written? 
I do not, but I contemplate it. Okay. Often. often. So, yeah. and it's pretty, it's pretty easy. Um, well, I think, I mean, we'll see. Um, so I am the same weight, which is overweight, not horribly so, but you know, like I'm like probably 25 pounds overweight. I'm the same, the fat, the, the, the circumstances, I'm the same weight as I was six months ago, okay. seven months ago. Okay. And what do you think about that? I think about trying to diet, stick to a diet, weight loss, exercise so often, like every day I think about it, but I've made zero progress in six months. Okay. So when you think about the circumstance, like I do this a lot with, um, when I'm coaching clients on weight loss, because we'll, we'll step on the scale and see a number on the scale and we'll immediately make it mean something. Um, I mean, I do it myself. This is the way we're conditioned in our culture, right. To value, Mm -hmm. to value a certain number on that scale. Mm -hmm. So, um, when you see that number, like, what is the thought? Like, what are you making that mean about you? Well, I, well, I'm, uh, I make it like I'm failing. Okay. And when you think the thought I'm failing, how do you feel? Um, frustrated, sad, um, worthless. Mm, kind of, um, like, uh, like, yeah, like there's something wrong with me. Right. You know? And when you feel worthless, what do you do? Mm. I probably like perseverate on something not useful. (laughs) Right. You said it actually, you said, I obsess about it. You said, I think about Mm -hmm. diet and exercise and weight loss and all like, it's like constant Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What else do you do? Um, I probably, I try to avoid, I, I don't know. I think I kind of try to avoid doing any meal planning whatsoever because I feel like it's going to be a waste of time because I'm going to fail anyway. I don't know if that's, that's more of a thought, yep, that's <laughs> but called- I guess I avoid things. Yeah. Yeah. So that's called failing ahead of time. Yep. That's something we do all the time. Yeah. What about the judgment you have about yourself in this number? I've been working on that one. I've been working on that one because I, I have two babies that are one and two years old and 
I actually lost a lot of my pregnancy weight. And I actually, I'm kind of like, well, the number is not terrible. <laughs> I, I, I don't, but it just, it, the fact that it's so far from, it's not that far. It's like 25 pounds from where, like where my clothes in my closet fit me mm-hmm. <laughs> that I am like, if only, I don't know. I, I, what do I think? I just like, I get, I'm just like, man, I'm still this heavy. I'm just like, yeah, you beat yourself up. Yeah. You just take it out on yourself. And then the result, can you see? I don't make any progress. <laughs> right. So basically you continue to stay the same weight because you think you're failing. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is a very clean model. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, and it's one I think most of us can really, really identify with. Now, this isn't necessarily a coaching call. This is a model call, but I would like to mm-hmm. offer a little bit of coaching yeah. because it's like hard not Sorry, to. Sorry, I know. I was like, is this? <laughs> no. So this is very fascinating. I am so excited, you all, because I just started an advanced coach training with uh, this it's called advanced coach, advanced coaching, advanced coach certification and no advanced certification and feminist coaching, because I really, really have noticed some things that come up for women surgeons, particularly with the way we beat the shit out of ourselves and the way we have to like, feel like we have to behave in this environment that's male dominated. And some of the, um, relationship interactions we have with particularly female, um, like nurses and techs and stuff. Anyway, in this coach advanced certification, there's this whole part of it about diet culture and about, uh, weight and all of the really like negative stuff we as a culture have wrapped up in a number on a scale. And it's really tricky to, to think about this from surgical terms because we see what happens in our everyday practices when people come in, they have different risks of things happening if they are in certain categories of, you know, overweightness. So, so I think it's even trickier to talk about this to our people because we have so much tied up in our brains about what that number on the scale actually means. So I don't have good answers for you just yet, but I've learned three months. And, um, (laughs) but what I've learned so far is that the number on the scale is data. That's it. It's literally just a number, but like, whatever the number is, look at what it is actually triggering for you, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have this thought that you're failing. You're a surgeon, you're a mother, you're kicking ass, you're slaying every day. Yet there's this probably unconscious thought that you're somehow failing because of a stupid number Actually, I shouldn't say it's stupid because that's an editorial comment. Just because of a number on the scale. Isn't that fascinating? 
Yeah. Like how much power then our thoughts about that? Like, so that would be really interesting work for you to explore when you're kind of going through your own thought downloads about it is like, why is that number so important to me? What does it really mean? Like, does it mean that I'm not a healthy person? Does it mean that, um, you know, X, Y, or Z? Mm-hmm. So, um, but that's a great model because it's very clean. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And you didn't say here, like I'm, I'm overweight because saying that you're overweight is actually a judgment about the weight. It's just the number goes here or like, I'm the same number that it was seven months ago. That's very factual. Yeah. So that really is a very useful way to show how this circumstance. I was trying to make it defendable in court. <laughs> it is. So good. And I'm grateful to you. So like, we can totally see how this is the outside world. Like this is just a number. And then this is the internal world of what you experience in your life. When you think about that number. Okay. We have six minutes left. Are there other questions? Any questions? Thank you so much, number four. Thank you. I appreciate the time. Okay. So Amy Vertries, we're rounding out our hour. Do you have anything to add? No, I think that's a great model. Uh, you know, Corinne Crabtree talks about this all the time too, because you know, that, that whole um, circumstance of a number, you know, we think we're failing, even though you're, you know, even if you're not obsessing and you're doing all the right things, sometimes that number still doesn't change. And so it's just wrapping our head around like such a neutral thing that we make so charged. We do. Yeah. And it's just a number. Yep. So Katrina Ubel is amazing. And Karim, Karim, <laughs> Karim Crabtree. I was on call last night and I like basically had a no hitter. I had one call. <laughs> Still so like, blah, 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 blah. yeah. Um, awesome. So we could probably eke one more out if anybody else has a model that they've been working on that would like to. If not, then I will just reiterate. So when we start out with this, the idea here is, is that you have all of the power within you. There's not anything that I or Amy or Kelly can do for you that you can't do for yourself. We can help offer things and help provide guidance and steer the ship, so to speak. But you amazing, amazing women have the power already in you. Your brains and your bodies know all the answers. And using this in your lives, just by simply jotting down your thoughts about anything. And, and I do get questions about like, what's a thought download? How do you do it correctly? Well, there's no correct way to do it. Some people like to journal, like traditional journaling. Other people like me like to write little fast things down on post-its or on teeny tiny pieces of paper. Sometimes I just dictate into my phone in the notes, like things that I'm thinking about. And then you just look at your thoughts, become the observer and become this compassionate observer who's really like distanced because who you are as a human being is perfect. And then your thought, 
your thoughts are just these sentences in your brains. And sometimes your brain offers you up a heaping plate of garbage. And sometimes your brain offers you up like something nice, but that doesn't matter because it's not who you are. And then understanding what these sentences are doing and how powerful they are in the way you show up and the way you feel and experience the world. And then in the things that you do, and then the results that you end up creating all coming from the original thoughts is it's the key. It's the key to everything because then you just get to decide. You just get to say, okay, well, this is total bullshit. And I don't think that I'm going to waste my energy on this anymore. Sometimes we don't even have awareness that these thoughts are at play in our, in our lives. And then sometimes like for me, I'm really working a lot now on not erasing the shitty thoughts. I'm just like, yeah, thanks brain. You did it again. You're offering me the shitty thought. Thank you so much. I totally get it. Now let's try to understand this a little bit better. So anyway, all right. I guess I had a little bit of verbal diarrhea there towards the end. So let me sign off for tonight. And then I think our next event is on Thursday, right, Amy? I think it's Thursday. Yeah. Thursday, um, same time. And this is all about love, all about love. Okay. Thank you so much. I love you all. Bye-bye.